I wanted, I wanted to talk about some specific thing this morning, and just thank you, Farnas, for last week as well, you know, for that analogy of the, the roots is your belief system, and the roots kind of, if they're believing right, they'll produce the right fruit, and you don't have to try and produce the fruit, that's a byproduct of just believing the right stuff, and everything will flow in your heart and life. Something that God has been nudging on me over the last little while, and it kind of ties in along with this journey we've been on, you know, the whole spiritual, you know, the living stones making up the spiritual house of God. And, you know, we, we decide something and we do it, and I think we did it in our July family day, where we all took time to kind of write our names on stones and that. It's now end of August, okay, and we're still on this. Because when the Lord talks, it doesn't like one week and then it's like, okay, next. The Lord's not next. He's like, did you get what I told you? Are you listening to what I said to you? Because I'm not going to tell the next thing until you've heard me the first time. And he was massaging into us this point of these living stones and making up the spiritual house of God. And I know that's a physical representation of you writing your name on something and we're going to display it up in the hall here as a representation of us coming together in unity to establish something in the spirit for the advance of the kingdom and the ecclesia and that is arising and that but the link to this and what God has been speaking to me about is his anointing the anointing the anointing of his presence and what he's saying to us and what he's speaking to out you know and I want I want you to see something here is that what happens here each week and the presence of God that rests in this place and we feel the tangible presence of God, what we do with that. This is not something we take lightly. If you understand how, I mean, my heart and watching my parents run ahead of me for so many years and the sensitivity they had to the things of the Spirit, that this is His meeting. This is not our meeting. He gets to do what He wants to do here. And how we are so sensitive as a team to hearing the voice of God. That we arrive here, honestly, with, it's, it's a responsibility on our shoulders. I watched Errol last week. I mean, Trace, the worship last week, and that just the depth and the intensity of his presence was so beautiful. In Errol's eyes, you can see it's like, I'm out of my depth here. And I, that's perfect. Because you're never going to get on top of facilitating a moment that the presence of God comes in. We're always learning. We're always learning here. I've been in the Bay for 29 years non-stop, believing, trusting God. Every Sunday, he, he will gather and meet His people. And that's His anointing that comes with that. But you must understand, it's not a oh, so feel-good feeling. There's a purpose why God manifests Himself. And that's the anointing. And what we do with that. And we, we clearly, and what's happened for me is that because I've got a benchmark here of I know what it feels like, when God manifests Himself. When I go other places, and this is not a measurement and a judging, and I don't feel that same feeling, I ask the question, are you here, Lord? Are we just having another meeting? Or are you truly here? Because what I will tell you is that the church has given its people, and the leadership of church, generally worldwide now, have given a disservice to the people by settling for less and saying, that's good, that felt good, eh? Lack of meaning. Was God there? 
was the anointing there? And if, if that isn't, we truly have to question why we meet. We truly have to question what is the purpose of this gathering unless the Lord manifests Himself. It's crucial. And what really caught my attention is I've been reading through the book of Ezekiel over this last kind of little while in my pattern of reading and stuff. And in Ezekiel 44, it speaks about the rules for the Levitical priests. Okay? Now you get who the Levitical priests were. They were one of the tribes of Israel that were set apart. Okay? So from all the land that was distributed and all inheritance given to the different tribes, and that's your portion, the Levites didn't get that. Their inheritance was the Lord. And they received from the people to be able to enable them to do their priestly duties. The people gave of their first fruits, enabling the Levitical priests to perform their duties for the people. Okay? And now, we know the story. Up and down Israel. The priesthood, the Levites missed it. The priesthood profaned the name of the Lord from prostitution in the temple to building things in high places and worshipping Baal and all that, we get Israel's journey. I want to say it's not very different, Israel's journey to the world today. It's just exactly the same. Up and down and all over the place, but He never changes. He remains constant. His belief for us and our trust in what He wants to do through us never, ever changes. We are the ones that change. We are the ones that fall into deception. We are the ones that walk away from the Lord. I remember a friend of ours, Iona, who lives in Australia now, and she told her testimony, and in her testimony she said, and I forgot the Lord. Those words are like, whoa, I forgot the Lord. There are many who encounter and they touch God and they forget Him. And then they carry on with their lives. They think they've got everything, and then calamity hits. Where do they go? Back to God. He's so gracious. He's so gracious. Is that the Lord phoning you? Must be. Oh, oh no. So it's not for Neil's birthday this week, Sonia. That's right. You didn't get your coffee slip. I will take you for coffee one day. Let's stick to the word, okay? Let's go back to the word. (laughs) I want to read this section here. And it's Ezekiel 44, verses 15. It says, But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of the sanctuary when the people of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me. And they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall approach my table to minister to me. Now this is on the back of, these, these passages is on the back of Ezekiel's prophetic kind of word the Lord's giving him about a new temple that's going to be built. For chapters it speaks about, this, the east gate, the west gate, this section, that section, this cubits, everything this size. A temple that hasn't been built in the natural. Okay? Some people would say that this temple is still to be established in Jerusalem. If, the, if we think it's a spiritual temple, why is the Lord giving so many dimensions and details? Okay, there's, that's part of the end times discussion of understanding what will take place in Israel. And many believe that the thousand-year reign that Jesus has here on earth, that He will reign from this temple that is built in Jerusalem, and He will order and rule the world and the nations from that point. I'll just throw that out there, but it will bring clarity to you later. Um, and when they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall wear linen garments, 
They shall have nothing of wool on them while they minister at the gates of the inner court and within. Now remember the tabernacle had those points, outer court, inner court, and the holy of holies. Okay? And um, they ha- they'll have linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments around their waist. They shall not bind themselves with anything that causes them to sweat. I would fail horribly. <laughs> horribly. If that was my duty, because it's already starting. And when they go out into the outer courts to the people, these are the verses that caught my attention. They shall put off these garments, these holy garments that they walked in with, which they've been ministering, and lay them in the holy chambers. And it says, And they shall put on other garments, lest they transmit holiness to the people with these garments. Just read, listen to that. Lest they transmit holiness to the people with these garments. They shall not shave their heads, nor let their locks grow long. They shall surely trim the hair of their heads. No priest shall drink wine when they enter the inner court. They shall not marry a widow or a divorced woman, but only virgins of the offspring of the house of Israel. It's to keep the line pure, and a widow who is the widow of a priest. And the next verse 23 is key. They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common. And show them how to distinguish, meaning discern, between the unclean and the clean. In a dispute, they shall act as judges, and they shall judge in accordance to my judgments. They shall keep my laws and my statutes in all my appointed feasts, and they shall keep my Sabbath holy. They shall not defile themselves by going near a dead person. However, for a father or a mother or a son or a daughter for brother or unmarried sister, they may may defile themselves if someone passes away close to them. They shall not, um, um, and after he has become clean, they shall count seven days for him. And on that day that he goes into the holy place, into the inner court, to minister into the holy place, he shall offer his sin offering, declares the Lord God. This shall be their inheritance. These are the Leviticus. I am their inheritance. And you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. Okay? Now what, what that verse is, and these verses are speaking to us about, as I said to you, is that the build-up of these chapters is about the temple, speaking about the physical temple that will be established and built. Okay, but when you look back and you understand the requirements of the priestly duty, it wasn't just a flimsy, you know, do as you call, do as you want kind of process. There was a high calling. They were a people set apart to minister to the Lord for the people. Okay, this was, this was their link. Yes, the prophets would speak and give what the Lord was saying. The kings would rule over the people, but the priesthood were the connection, basically, between God and the people. They would be the ones offering the sin offerings, grain offerings, all the different offerings to appease God in the aroma that would arise from these sacrifices that the people were now clean. And the people were acceptable before God. The priests played a crucial role in that. Okay, and they would have to adhere to these requirements. Okay, and if not, they will, were going to be defiled. And in that state of uncleanliness, they could not minister to the Lord. And there are many stories about bells being attached to the bottom of their garments and a rope attached to their feet. That if those bells stop jingling, they have to pull the guy out because he's been fried by the glory. Now, we, we can say that flip, flip, flippantly, like... But no one could just approach Almighty God in an uncleanly state and then think things were going to be okay. 
they had to make sure that they were clean before God for the people. And if not, the glory of God would smite them. Because God doesn't play games. Okay? And then they would have to drag that person out. Okay? Because it's an honor to God. But as I said to you, verse 9 caught my attention. Verse 19, sorry. Because they needed to change their garments so that it wasn't transmitting holiness. What other versions say is that so that they would not sanctify the people. Okay? Or, or another version says not to trivialize their work that they do in order what they're doing for the people to kind of see how they're operating. So what does this all mean? What I'm saying here is that the priests weren't hanging with a group of people, having a bri, just chilling, and then going, oh, flip, guys, sorry. You know what? It's my priestly duty. Got to go. See you guys later. I've got to go and do my stuff. And he goes and does his duty. And then he comes back to what they were doing before. No, it was a set of partners. There was a call specifically on these people to perform a certain duty so that the people could be clean before Almighty God. Okay? And they lived these consecrated lives. They were consumed by the duty before the Lord. Okay? And that whole point is that in verse 23 it says they will teach the people the difference between the holy and the unholy, the common. Okay? And to distinguish, help people distinguish, help people recognize, help people discern, help people to know. The word is their yada. It's to know. It's, it's that word is used a lot in whole Genesis, to know Him, to know and understand who this God is, that they will know the difference between clean and unclean and not just be wavering about through anything and everything goes. Now, there's certain standards that the Lord is asking and asking of His people, and it brings back this reverence of His presence reverence of the Almighty God, that we don't take flippantly and lightly and just go around with our business on our terms and say, wow, that was a goose fleshy moment. Cool, and we leave you unchanged. Okay? So here we are, thousands of years later from these priestly duties. We are thousands of years down the line from what was said in order years down the line so that the people could connect with God but what happened when you read through certain points in the Bible when they rebuilt the temple with Ezra and Nehemiah and there were certain times when the glory of God fell in that temple and the priests couldn't perform their duties. And that often happened in a time when there was unity in Israel. It happened at a time when everybody was together. They had been all over the place, scattered, however it worked, and somebody arises and rallies the people together, and they read the law of God. Now the law, okay, the Torah which they read out to the people, yes, we understand that as the law, but it actually, the true meaning of that, it means the teachings, okay? The way, it means the way, how to live your life in honor before God, so that when you do that, my glory falls. And when my glory manifests itself, you are the set-apart people that are, that are recognized only because of that. From all peoples of the earth, you are set apart. Yeah. And we flippantly, yeah, it's, it's okay. That's cool. Church was good today. Ah, church wasn't so good. <laughs> Did you encounter the glory? Did you touch of His presence? Okay. And we, when we understand who God is in this whole being, there's three things about God being, meaning um, about His presence and who He is. You get the omnipresence of God, meaning omnipresence basically means He is everywhere. He is all over. Okay? Omni meaning all. 
Okay? Omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is in all places. Okay? He is omniscient. Meaning, he knows all things. Okay? All things are known by God. Omniscient. And these, thirdly, is, is omnipotent. Meaning, he is all-powerful. Almighty God. Okay? Those things are about who God is. But there's a difference. When he manifests himself, he chooses to pour out his glory on a, on, a, on a place or a people or a circumstance. Why would he choose that? Why would he pour out his spirit on certain places and people? See, the anointing means the manifest presence of God. So he's everywhere. But now in the new covenant, when we go back and see what Jesus has done for us, Okay, now let's just retract a little bit and, and, and understand what we have now. Okay, the anointing being the manifest presence. So when God manifests Himself, what has to happen? Lives need to be transformed. Lives need to be changed. The chains of bondage of sin will be broken off of you because you can't approach God in sin. Okay, the, the, the understanding, the freedom of your heart, knowing that you're a child and a son and daughter of God will set you free. Your identity will start becoming secure. Yeah, all just because His presence. I haven't preached yet. We're just in the place of His presence. Yeah, that all starts happening to you. He starts talking to you. He starts engaging with you. Because you're a son and a daughter. Jesus has created the way and to access the Father. The price that He paid for you 2,000 years ago wasn't just that your sin can now be covered. Oh, I'm sinful. I'm, I'm sinless. I've been paid for. Jesus has done it all for me. No. It's so that you can access the place of the Father. It's the place of understanding that you now, in this place of worship, you, you are in the place of His manifest presence. He chooses to manifest Himself in a place where there's unity. Where we are operating in one heart and one mind. That's why when there was sin in the camp, it needs to be dealt with. God will not pour out blessing on sin. Do not get stuck in that trap that no one notices. No one's seeing. Oh, well, no one saw me do that. God is watching everything. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all uh, omnipotent. He sees everything. You can't hide from Him. But He's asking for a people. The price that Jesus paid for us has made sure that we are a people that have been set apart. The Ecclesia have been chosen by the Almighty God to be those that will carry His glory on this earth. If you've never encountered and the manifest presence of God, and you might be in this place like Jacob, and he says, um, and he wrestled with God, and what the word that he said there was, um, I did not even, along the lines of, you know, I did not even know that you were in this place. We need to pray for you. Because then you might not even be saved. If you don't encounter, and you, you must, in your own heart now, like last week, the power of God just rested heavy on this place. We can't make that up. We can't manufacture that. All we do is surrender. We surrender. Clean hands, pure heart. No deceit in us. Nothing of false in us. We come before God. And what happens when He manifests Himself? Like I said to you, we are changed. Jesus, the price that He paid as the perfect spotless Lamb, made sure that no sacrifice ever needs to be paid again. We're not slacking a cow here every Sunday morning to access our God. 
if you are using alternative methods for, for your life to be blessed, and you are sacrificing things to God above the sacrifice that Jesus has paid, you are in sin. Idolatry is sin. That price that He paid for us is not a flippant thing, oh, now I don't have any sin in my life. He's opened the way for us, folks. That's why when we gather here on a Sunday, we wait for Him. We make every, every preference that He gets His way here. And it's been like that, I know, for 29 years. Some of us that have been around for that long, we know that. Because it's not our meeting. This is where God moves. And what I love hearing from this community is people that I've maybe hardly even spoken to and had long and conversations and time with, they'll say, oh man, the things I've learned in this place, the things that God has shown me in this place, are the things that have happened in my heart. And God's just done that. Why? Because we know His presence. We, he manifests when He touches your heart and He touches your life. You will never be the same. Just one touch. So this morning, there, Amy and Jeffrey... Their, their daughter had an encounter with God here during the worship. And I, and I was in my heart, I was like, God, you need to do stuff here this morning. To, to, it's a sign, you see, that the things of the enemy can't be here. So her little, what's your daughter's name? Gabriella, a little 11-year-old, was struggling to worship. She had pain in her stomach for a week, couldn't press through, press through. They broke something off of her this morning. Because what I said to her is that what happens to this couple, Jeffrey and Amy, when there's a call of God on, the, on your young child's life, yeah. the enemy will do yeah. everything to hinder that call. And already, I can tell you, that young girl, she's a worshiper. Yeah. And in the place of worship, there's restriction. Yeah. So what you've got to do is you've got to break those things of the enemy off her. Might be in her young mind, ways of thinking that she's bound, I don't want to, and all things that feels resistance and feels, but they press through and something broke off her life. If that, that needs to happen to you then, yeah. if you are struggling in the place of his presence, and you can't break through. I remember a guy that we journeyed. He's not with us anymore. But he journeyed with me. I worked for a long time. And he refused to acknowledge the sin in his life. Yeah. He was living in sin. Yeah. But he was talking his way around it all the time. And eventually I said, well, let me ask you one question. When you come and worship, is your conscience clear? He said, no. I said, well, then I rest my case. I rest my case. If you believe you can come before God on your terms, worshiping according to what my flesh requires of me and do it the way I like to do, you're in deep trouble, pal. And he's now wandered. Far from the truth. He starts making his own truth. That's what sin does to you. It leads you into deception. And then you start reasoning your deception. Like, it's okay. And it all comes back to the simplicity of what Jesus has given us now, the point of his manifest presence is that when He's given us the power of a clear conscience. So when I come to worship or in my man cave before God, I've got to check my heart. Always. I've got to examine my heart. I never come to the Lord flippantly. Oh, lucky. Yes, the worship's lucky in this place. Woo! So good, eh? And then you go out and you drink with your friends and you go and beat your wife. Then you haven't actually experienced God. Because when you truly love Him, when you are truly in love with the Father through the Son and in love with Jesus, and you honor the power of the Holy Spirit, you will adhere and you will honor all the commands and the laws that He asks and He puts in His, for us. 
Yeah, with joy, with absolute life. So I won't steal. I won't commit adultery. I won't have idols in my life. I won't profane the name of the Lord. All those things that were law, were the teachings for the people to follow, are adhered because I surrender my life to Jesus. And folks, I want us to hear here is that what God is doing with us as a people is not just flippantly like He's looking for a people that He can work through, that He can transform a city, that He can bring life to a nation. You see, the thing is, we've got so comfortable with church and the meeting context of it. So what you'll get is, you'll get a church meeting where there's a lot of shouting and there's a lot of sweating when people shout and he's wiping the brow and he's giving it horns and he's shouting at the people and he's all the sound, there's a lot of hype and the people are, yeah, yeah, it all looks amazing, all looks incredible. If you take out all that hype, you take out all the emotion, okay, of what's taking place there and you strip it right down to what he's trying to say, he's probably trying to say to the people, be faithful, serve the Lord, whatever the word is telling us, and you take all that emotion out and you put it in a very traditional church meeting, it's exactly the same thing. All it is is just noise. And the church meeting, very traditionally, is just boring. Because there's no power. There's no manifestation of His presence. And when we get that right... And we create a space for God to come and touch and move. Things start happening in the lives of people. And what starts happening is what Jesus said in John 17, 22. These are the words that he gave. His glory manifests. He says the glory is speaking now this prayer that he's praying over his disciples and speaking about the oneness of heart and all that he says in John 17. The glory that you have given me, he says to the Father, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. When the glory manifests in here, you often see there's talking in the front here because we don't want to interrupt what God is doing. We want to allow Him to move. We allow Him to touch, Him to change our hearts. Okay? Because, here's the thing, we've all been given the priesthood of believers. So now the priests that had those duties to do, they had to consecrate their lives didn't shave their head. They had to trim their beards. They couldn't just marry whoever they wanted to marry. They were set-apart people. They couldn't touch wine. They were called out specifically to minister to the Lord. That is the exact thing that Christ has given you and me. We are all now priests. And it's not, honestly, the Lord is so gracious, it's up to you how much you want to access that glory and live from that place. I want to remind you, your spiritual journey is not my responsibility. Don't come here relying on me. Ah, oh, Sheldon's your lack of the media is going to be fine this morning. That's cool. I can just... Are you doing the work in your own heart? Are you coming before the Lord with a pure and contrite heart saying, God, check me before I just enter the presence of the Almighty with His people because I know you're faithful and you're going to manifest yourself in this place. I don't want to be hindered with own sin in my lives and my own agendas. I want to surrender everything to you. I come before you, God, not relying on Sheldon to get me to your presence because Jesus, you are the one that has got me into that place of the glory of the Father. So I come to you, Lord. I lay my life down before you and I surrender everything to you, I commit, and I confess sins that I've fallen into traps this week, and I've made bad decisions, but Lord, thank you for your grace that just is poured out and lavished upon my life. I make that decision that I don't want to get stuck in it. I walk away, and in my heart, yes, I know if I need help, I will journey with somebody. I don't have to 
fight this on my own. That's the point of a community, that we can fight these things and get through together and find strength in your spirit. Fana said it last week, if you're stuck in addiction, just stop it. That hit hard in this room. Stop it. Stop delving in sin. Because the glory of the Lord will be tainted and He's tainted by sin. He graciously manifests Himself here despite our weaknesses, despite our own human failings. He manifests Himself here. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2. Because this being called out, you see, and being a set-apart people has to look like something, folks. It's not just a feel-good so that I go home feeling good about myself. Let's read 1 Peter 2. Chapter 2, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. That covers a lot. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. You are desiring to live for the things of God. And indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to Him, as individuals now, a living stone, okay, rejected by men, talking about Jesus, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, that cornerstone of Jesus, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Now listen to the next part, because we haven't touched on this yet. You're being built up as a spiritual house, what? To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifice, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. I love how Jesus, the name of Jesus, is offensive there. People don't want to hear it. Let's carry on. They stumble because they disobey the Word and they are destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And once you were not a people, you were a nobody. But now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter writes here, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. We're all Gentiles here. Okay? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, he's speaking right to the Jews now, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It can't become more clear of what Peter's wrapped up in that chapter and what we're saying here. You're all priests. I'm not your priest. We're all priests. There's unfortunately still people today that swing things and smoke and do all sorts of stuff. They dress up like mother. We still call them father. 
and the people look to them and want to kiss their hands and ring because they are looking to them to be their priest. They're not. We have one high priest who is the way to the Father. And that's the only way you access the Father. The Father who is omnipotent, omnipotent, omniscient, um, um, omnipresent everywhere. That Father you access via Jesus. Because we're all priests. And you need to decide in this season we're at right now how you live your priesthood. If you want to be like Israel, you profane the name of the Lord, you got stuck in all their different ways, and eventually their mothers were offering their children as sacrifice to Baal. How, like, how did we get there? And I bet you in your life you kind of think, how did I get here? With an encounter of the Almighty God, and when He manifests Himself, you will change. All it is is one touch. Just one glimpse. Just Moses had one glimpse of His glory. And they had to cover his face. Now you, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being changed ever more to his likeness, from glory to glory. And what we have become by the Holy Spirit now is essentially glory compatible. That all the glory of heaven has been invested inside of you. Just let that sink in, folks. All the glory of heaven that Jesus said in that prayer in John 17, I give to them my glory. You are a partaker. But your hindrance in that partaking will be the works of the flesh. Paul boasts about his weakness because we're all weak. In weakness, I'm made strong. But I'm not bound by sin. I'm not caught in the trap of sin. And I guarantee you, you will see more. And when you see more, you love Him more. And when you love Him more, He'll show you more. And you just receive more and more and more and more until we eternally are, see everything. But you decide. You decide. Because I know when we gather here on a Sunday, God chooses to manifest Himself. Not because of me, what we're doing as an eldership so special. No. Because it's for Him. It's in you, the glory of God. It's to you. And then it's through you. That's why your gifting is important. So when I stand and I lead worship, there's an anointing on me because He's working through me. When I'm preaching, His anointing must work through me to touch the hearts of people. When we gather like this, He manifests, He works in you and to you and through you. So that now when you leave here, you don't just feel good about your life because you've encountered God. Your sphere of influence is where you shine. You've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you go and sit with those work colleagues every day of your life. You spend more time with them there than you do here. Are you a witness of being a priest? Are you teaching people the difference in your life, what is between holy and unholy? Are you showing people your lives the difference between, and to help them distinguish between the clean and the unclean? You see, we're a set-apart people, and I know sometimes we were running late this morning in the house, and everything's going, and I'm thinking, sure, that's quite a thing. People rush to church on a Sunday, and we get here, we're like, all that. 
Well, that's the whole point. We're teaching people the difference between the holy and the unholy. You made a choice because you're a set-apart people to come and gather with God's people. Look here, all the other stuff can wait. That that stuff gets set aside because we're we're different. I don't choose to sit with all the folks I play hockey with and sit and get drunk and drink with them as well. Where's my testimony? I'll have a drink with them, but I'm not going to delve to their levels because that's that's not where I'll go. My life is different. And God is asking of His people in this season, are you living that separated, set-out lifestyle? And again, it's not by works. It's what you believe. It's the root of what you believe will produce the fruit. And then you start living by love. And the love will soften hearts around you. When you understand understanding faithfulness, you will receive the reward of faithfulness. When you understand, like you said about joy, our joy gets stolen. The enemy wants to steal that. But when it's restored to us in the midst of chaos and trial, we still have joy. And then there's this peace that passes all understanding. That's why we've come through and just now are more aware over these last two and a half years of what's playing out around us. We're still standing because our God never changed. And He's allowed these calamities to happen because He works through them. And He teaches us His heart in them that we don't fail in trusting His goodness. And the roots of your belief system are crucial. How you want to live forward now. Because it's not by works that you're saved. You can try hard and hard and hard. It will get you nothing. It's surrender. Let's just stand together. And I want to pray over us as we go. Kirsten, if we could just have keys. I want to just play a song just with keyboard. And I, I want to sing that as the deer pants for the waters. Yeah. And... Um, I want you to check your own hearts because what God is doing with us as a people and how He's manifesting Himself here is not something we just go, thank goodness, like God is with us. He wants, He's wanting to do something in and through us. Okay, let's just, let's just close our eyes. Let's look to Him. Almighty God, Almighty God, we honor You this morning. We just thank You that by Your grace, by your grace to us, the almighty God of all creation and of all glory chooses to rest and manifest His presence in this place through our hearts. And so, Lord, we respond to You with confession in our hearts. We set aside all the ways of the flesh. We confess before You that we are frail but we thank you Jesus that your price that you paid for us was the price once and for all that we don't have to you don't have to die again it was paid for once and now I lean upon that cross and I say thank you Jesus for that finished work just wash your hearts with him folks wash your hearts wash your hearts because I'm telling you the Lord wants to do more through his people He wants to do more. When we talk about signs, wonders, miracles, He wants to pour it out through a people. So we surrender to you, Almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Wash your heart clean. Wash it clean this morning. Wash it clean. And the priesthood of believers, we stand here this morning. Thank you, Jesus.
Let's sing this together. And as the deer pants for the water soul, my soul longs after you. Desire and I long to worship you. Let's take it from the top. As the deer pants for those waters. Oh, as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you. Desire and I long to worship you. Oh, you alone, now my strength, my shield to you. May my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone, and all my strength, my shield, to you alone, may my spirit adhere. You Desire and I long to worship you. You alone are my heart's desire. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Come, let's all just lift our hands to Him. Lord, we, f- we worship You, Almighty God. Father, we say in our hearts that we desire to worship You and You alone, Lord Jesus. We surrender our lives. We surrender every part of our being to You, Almighty God. Because, Lord Jesus, You are the only one that can satisfy the longing in our souls the longing and the desires to be feel like we are loved, feel like we belong, feel like we are known. It's you, Lord Jesus, that satisfies. Nothing in this world will satisfy you. 
all the money in the world, all the fame, nothing will satisfy you. Only the love of Jesus will satisfy your soul. And so, Father, we pray this morning that as your priesthood, and we look to you, our great high priest, work in and through us, Lord. May your glory manifest itself where we go as we worship you. We thank you in this place of your presence. We are changed. We are made to be like you. Thank you, Jesus, for the example that you are. We surrender to you. We lay our lives down before you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.